Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is A Lot To Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I have no idea what time it is because it's podcast. You listen to podcasts whenever you listen to podcasts. You're probably on the way to work or you're in the shower. Or do you listen to podcasts in the shower? I don't know. Today is going to be really, really fun because we've got a doctor, Dr. Alok Patel, who is a pediatrician with Columbia University and UCSF and a CNN medical producer and on-camera personality who debunks myths about medicine and just is an all-around really good guy. Dr. Patel, welcome. Thank you so much. I feel like I got a crazy job, but someone's got to do it, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I think you got an envious job because <laughs> here you are, you know, an actual medical doctor, not like those those uh, other frauds on TV. And um, you've been uh, you've been recruited, and uh, and you've been fostering this uh, online and and hard media presence to like sexify medicine and you know get people out there and thinking about the right questions and uh debunking myths and uh basically breaking things you know breaking 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 down the walls and and letting people know that this is some cool stuff but also don't mess up your lives i appreciate that what's annoying is that the charlatans and snake oil salesmen make a lot more than i do (laughs) but i think we're at a point in time when you know millennials people actually care about evidence and they actually care about what matters. And it's time we bridge the gap between what people need to be doing to stay healthy and what science actually says. Because for some reason, we've been losing track. Now, um, let's talk about that. But first, let's go with the, uh, the superhero origin story. Let's go with the origin myth. Dun, now, dun, dun. now, of course, you're a doctor. Um, surprise, you're an Indian doctor. Never heard of that before. I'm the, I'm the first Patel in healthcare. <laughs> There's not one. <laughs> but that, that is not surprising. What is surprising is this media spin and working for CNN and producing medical content and, uh, and then, you know, making it fun. How did that start? Where did that come from? Just, you know, you're just, I'm not going to say you're just an average doctor, but you're just <laughs> an average doctor. And then there you are. All of a sudden, wow, what happened? So you actually nailed it when you said I'm, I was just an average doctor because I was, like I tell people, I was an idealistic young pediatrician. And, you know, I thought that if you give patients, parents, teens, whoever, the right information, they will take that and they'll make the right decisions. And when I say right, I mean things that are based in data. So when I was a resident, so that's the three years of training after medical school, I was in Seattle. For those of you that don't know, Seattle's kind of (laughs) crunchy. And so people like anything that says the word natural on it, and that's okay because that's their way of life. I ran into some cases in Seattle with a lot of them with parents, but some of them were with the patients themselves. And I would take a step back and say, how or why on earth do you believe that? And there were a couple that really stood out in my mind, one of which was a mom who was staunchly anti-vaccine. No one's ever heard of that before. Very, very anti-vaccine. <laughs> we shouldn't laugh because it's literally the dumbest thing on earth. It's the dumbest thing, and we'll probably get around to it a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in this moment, I didn't want to argue with her. What I wanted to do was respectfully ask her where she got her information from, because it frankly wasn't right. And she looked at me and said, my homeopathic dentist. And I was like, what the hell is a homeopathic <laughs> dentist? I don't even know what that is. So that was one example. Does that, the, does that mean they use like pumice stones exclusively? I don't even know. I still don't know. I don't know if you like use parsley in your, instead of floss. But, right. You know, so that was one instance. And then I did a, a rotation in Bellingham, which is north of Seattle. Yep. And people were striking against fluoridated water. And they were saying you know, this is government control and this is medication in our water, even though it's been proven to decrease the amount of dental decay in children. Yes. So didn't we go over this in Dr. Strangelove? Like, was <laughs> wasn't that, doesn't, isn't one of the villains in Dr. Strangelove? He's like, they're, they're, they're taking our bodily fluids, fluoridation of water. It's a government conspiracy. It's, if, if it involves the government, and somewhere, you know, people are going to get on board. But long story, <laughs> long story short, what I started to find was that 
when people wanted information, when they were scared, when they wanted a quick answer, they went to a source that was relatable to them, that gave them a hug, and said, here's a quick answer. And I can't fault people for that because we do the same shit. Sorry, I'm allowed to say that. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. We do the same shit all the time when it comes to, I mean, think about it, hangover cures, weight loss. Oh, yeah. Uh, Steve got, Steve's got this great one. Bartending. Hiccup, hiccup remedies. Hiccup remedies. My Irish guys, my Irish guys, it's <laughs> a lemon, and then you pour bitters on it, and then you pour sugar on that, and then you eat the whole thing. That's, that's the Irish hiccup remedy, right? I don't know where they learned it from. They don't know where they learned it, learned it from, but that's what you say, because my buddy, you know, my buddy Damien's like, here, have this. This will fucking cure your hiccups. And you're like, sure enough, it does. does. And, yeah. if, and if Conor McGregor does it, all the kids will do it nowadays. <laughs> but, you know, so what I did at that moment, I was like, all right, people don't necessarily want to be told about a medical journal. They want to be spoken to in a language that they understand. Right. And in, at that moment who I looked up to, who had just was nailing that brand, was John Oliver and John Stewart. Yes. They, they, you know, some people call them left, some people call them right. doesn't matter. What they do is they present the information in a very entertaining way. Yes. And, and you're, you're, you are their buddy. You're sitting with them. Hey, did you hear what my buddy John Oliver said? You know, he gave us the facts. He threw some elbows in. He gave a joke. And you're like, I learned something. Also, I won't forget it now, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you've got this ethos where you're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give people the pat on the back, be like, hey, I'm your buddy. By the way, here's the medical example, and here's the medical uh, evidence. How do you start doing that? What I did was I, I went to ABC News Medical Unit during my second year of residency, did a four-and-a-half-week rotation there. I'm going to skip all the boring stuff about learning the art of medical journalism and how you translate a story from New England Journal of Medicine to the front page of a newspaper or the chopping block at Good Morning America. Right. And what I'll tell you is, when I was there, at the time, Diane Sawyer was the anchor of World News Tonight. And we had to pitch stories to her and her team directly. And I always pitched them in a little bit of a loony way. But I made sure the evidence was there. My very last day at ABC News, Diane Sawyer's assistant runs across the newsroom. And she says, Diane wants to speak to you. And I was like, oh, I've officially pissed <laughs> off this legend in journalism. <laughs> And she pulls me aside and she says, listen, I've worked with a lot of doctors and you've got guts because I've never run into a doctor that's willing to be as outlandish as you are in presenting data. I think you should run with it. And I decided to. I never went to fellowship. After residency, I told my girlfriend, can we please be long distance? I packed up my shit and moved across the country to New York. Yep. Spent about a year, a year or so, building a very fun concept at ABC News. We kind of used stunts to do medical experiments on a medical journalist there just to kind of illustrate some cool scientific points. And right. it's evolved since there. And it's great to see people kind of open up to scientific topics, get that aha moment, learn how to take care of themselves while being entertained. Yeah. What a concept. No, I'm, I'm with you. It's, you're, it's Bill Nye the science guy. <laughs> no, no. And it, by the way, that's how, as a, you know, a kid, you're like, What's on? Oh, Bill Nye's on. And by the way, I'm learning about static electricity, yes. you know, and static electricity. Oh, it's super cool. What's actually happening? Oh, the electrons are transferring from positives exactly. to negatives. Yeah. But the balloon sticks the hair up. Awesome. Like, you can do it yourself at home. And I'll tell you, speaking of static electricity. So yeah. one of the first things we did at ABC, that was the big light bulb. And everyone was like, this is hilarious. The managing editor at the medical unit, guy's name is Dan Childs, one of my mentors. Shout out to him. We were talking January 2016. We said, what does every American talk about at the beginning of the year? Exercise. Yep. What is got to get that gym membership. You got to get that gym membership. You got to feel the burn. Somebody made that comment. You got to feel the burn. We said, wait a minute. Take a step back. What does that actually mean? How do we illustrate it? So what we did was we took Dan. We put him on a treadmill. We had him run on the treadmill with, his, with a VO2 max measure. Yep, 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 yep. While the treadmill incline was increasing... And a researcher at NYU was pricking his blood, looking at his lactic acid. So as you work out and you start using more CO2 because you're breathing too quickly, yep. muscles build up lactic acid, you feel the burn. Dan did this until he literally fell over on the treadmill and we were live. <laughs> so everyone's laughing, but then everyone all of a sudden learns about feeling the burn. And that's the moment when I was like, okay, you start with humor, you start with emotions, you start with shock, and then... Boom, but the science. actual burn is you now have more lactic acid in your muscles. That is the burn. Yeah, and all of a sudden people would look at this and say, that's a really cool way 
to understand topic. And since then, right, your your actual chemistry is changing. Yes, and that is the burn. Yes, yeah. You know? And we 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 took that to really crazy levels. We did um, on April Fool's Day. We sat down and played a poker game with Whoopi Goldberg, and had a actual. Uh, poker tell expert talk about the science of lying and body gestures as Whoopi was playing poker. Right. So no one tuned in to learn about the science of lying. They tuned in to watch Whoopi Goldberg play poker. Right. But then they learned about the, the science, science of, of lying. Right. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, so oh, what are some? No, you know what? I'll have to watch that because I, <laughs> no, that's we're we're on we're on our subject right now. Yeah. I'll have to watch that because I want to know about the tells. I digress because I have a. I, I'm sure I have terrible tells because you, I, it's usually like thumbs up. Hey, <laughs> well now when you play with Whoopi Goldberg, you can <laughs> exactly catch all her tells. So here you are. You're um, you're you're out there. You're making real science, but you're making it accessible science. And then uh, when do you get the call, the knock on the door from CNN? Yeah, that was that was a crazy moment. So basically, I have always wanted to create content, and I've always wanted to be on camera and be kind of in medical communication. And I was referred to CNN by a, a close friend of mine, Mike Nettleman, who's actually a producer in Atlanta with this doctor you may have heard of. His name is Sanjay Gupta. Oh, uh, no. I've heard, I think I have. Yeah. Another Indian. Yeah. Dude. No. <laughs> Slightly so there, more famous. There, there are two Indian There's doctors. only two doc- Indian doctors <laughs> in the country. And my boss at CNN said, hey, we're in the middle of producing this series. It's called Something's Killing Me. What it basically is is an hour-long form docu-series about medical mysteries, but I really want them to grip the audience I want them to be real, and I want people to not only be shocked, engaged, heartbroken, excited, but I want them to take something away from it. Right. And, you know, she told me, she said, before you actually go out there and really try to run a show, try to host, let's take a step back and learn how to build a story. And that has been an insane experience. Last season, Something's Killing Me, season two, we, we did an episode on the Tylenol cyanide murders in Chicago. Yes, yeah. We did one about a, a husband who murdered his wife with cyanide by putting it in, the, in creatine in her protein shake. Oh, that's a we good one. We did one about brain-eating amoebas. What? We did one about a congenital disease in twins. And, you know, all of them are stories that they tell a long story, and there is some type of inclusion, whether it's an answer, whether it's hope, whether it's right. next steps. You know, Tylenol murders, most people see that story, and they say, yeah, you know, there was a crazy unsolved murder yeah, with but, cyanide. But then the Chicago police collected all the Tylenol and Tylenol said, oh, give it to us. We'll look at the evidence. And the Chicago police are like, okay. So no one actually ever knew what the reach of it was. And that's like, that's so Chicago. That's so <laughs> Chicago that Chicago police are like, all right, Tylenol, you want to investigate the Tylenol murders? Sure, take the evidence. Tylenol. <laughs> I mean, I want to say I'm impressed you know that, but I'm not surprised you know that because you do know everything. But you know, and then, but because of that, we now have triple, triple label, uh, triple proof bottles. Yes, the, 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 you got you got to turn it, you got to pop it, you got to dip it, you got to dip it. It's like you uh, it's dance, like dance. You got to do the hokey pokey. The, uh, it's a it's a, the uh, it's the bop it game. <laughs> bop it, twist it, turn it, pop it. <laughs> what was was take it? What is it, it called? Bop it, bop it, twist called, it, turn turn it, pull it. I don't know. It's, it always sounds dirty. It's like, pull it, pull it, pull it. it. <laughs> what would bop it be if it was dirty? Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're – now these stories that you, you're, you're telling, um, isn't there the risk running that now Grandma Maud goes, I saw this thing, and I think, I think little Jimmy has brain-eating – I think I have brain-eating amoeba. At least I hope you're caveating that these are – Isolated incidents, right? These are medical curiosity. I don't think curiosity is the right word, but sort of where I'm going. These are these are statistical outliers, right? I hope I hope these programs are like. By the way, uh, Grandma Maud, you do not. I guarantee, do not have the brain eating amoeba. So stop calling your general practitioner about it. <laughs> well, Grandma Maud is is going to be okay because you're totally right. So brain eating amoebas are rare. However. When you tell a good story, everyone freaks out. <laughs> so brain-eating amoebas, Neglaria fowleri, is the fancy name for them. They live in warm, freshwater lakes. You can get them up your nose if you're unlucky enough. And unfortunately, it used to have a really high fatality rate. Like oh, wow. Close to 99%. Oh, wow. Now we have survivors. Thanks to a pretty harrowing uh, story, a lot of bravery, medical science. And so when we tell these stories, I'm trying not to freak people out. 
you got to pull them in with the story, but then you highlight the medicine. You highlight the science. Ah, that's, that's the payoff at the end. Yes. The payoff is we found it out, we solved it, and now that won't happen again because we can diagnose it. That doesn't mean that all my production staff weren't like, I'm never getting in freshwater lakes. <laughs> my boss actually has a sinus infection. She's like, I will not neti pot because of brain-eating amoebas. Is and it, I'm like, you're good. Don't it, worry about it. Isn't neti potting stupid in the first place? No, not at all. Wait, really? Not at all. Oh, I heard neti potting was like the worst thing to possibly do. Well, you got to use distilled water. Okay. Okay, that's probably the problem. What you're ba- <laughs> <laughs> Don't use a San Francisco rainwater because <laughs> yeah. neti pot with heroin doesn't work. <laughs> and by the way, has it been raining here? Okay, yeah, wait, go, go back to the neti pot. I thought they were just total nonsense garbage. So what you're basically doing is you're doing saline rinses of uh-huh. your nose and your sinuses, uh-huh. and you're clearing out all the mucus, and you're cl- you're trying to clear out the openings of your sinus. Uh-huh. You breathe better, and I have friends who are ENT surgeons who have openly said like it may reduce the risk of sinus infections. Really? I neti pot religiously when I feel symptoms. Okay. Cold. Well, now <laughs> it works better than emergency. I'll tell you that much. Um, okay. So I've been I've been traveling for the past couple days, and uh, I cannot tell if I am achy and or developing a fever or just sore from being contorted or maybe I'm really dehydrated because I'm not drinking as much water as I usually do and it's a little bit drier out west than it is on the east coast but uh I don't know which one of these I should have and I don't know the difference between (laughs) any of these like I do not know the difference I am pulling out bottles upon bottles upon bottles of pain reliever acetaminophen pain reliever fever reducer regular strength aspirin pain reliever fever reducer uh, ibuprofen pain reliever fever reducer and hold (laughs) on hold on naproxen sodium pain reliever fever reducer they all say pain reliever fever reducer and they're all three different chemicals. They're all three different chemicals. What? No, four different chemicals. Or is aspirin (laughs) the same as one of these two? So, oh my, this this is so good. uh, Yeah, I'm a prop comic now. So, Dr. Patel, what the hell is the difference between all of these? This is so funny. This is awesome. This was not (laughs) planned. This was not planned. I ambushed him. So, these are all, you've you've basically got your selection of over-the-counter pain medications. Yep. Ibuprofen, generally speaking, non-steroid anti-inflammatory drug, right? Okay. So NSAID, that's your fancy name for it. We tend to prescribe or advise people to use ibuprofen when there's inflammation. You sprain your ankle, I'm going to tell you to use ibuprofen. Got it. Ibuprofen can also reduce fevers. Okay. It works differently than Tylenol does. Tylenol, general pain reducer, but Is also acetaminophen. Great, acetaminophen, yep. great for fevers. And so there's another good point you've made is that Austin has very smartly gotten all these from well at Walgreens. Oh, yeah. One thing I always tell patients is- It's the same thing chemically. It's the same thing. It's literally the same thing chemically. You don't need, you don't need, so like uh, acetaminophen is Tylenol. Naproxen is Aleve, right? Yep. Uh, Aspirin is actually a bare trademark that we took from them after beating them in World War I. Uh, That's a history fact that I didn't know. Oh, yeah. So aspirin was a bare chemical trademark name. And after World War I, aspirin, heroin, uh, cocaine, I think, were all trademarks of bare pharmaceutical. And uh, we basically took their patents as war reparations. We're like, yeah, we'll just take that. And that, thus why aspirin is a generic and heroin too for San Francisco folks. <laughs> um, wait, and what's the other one? So that naproxen is a leave, like... Uh, ibuprofen is Advil. Ibuprofen is Advil. Acetaminophen is Tylenol. And aspirin is just aspirin. And aspirin is just aspirin. Yeah. So you've, you know, I'll tell you one thing I'm happy about though. Since we're we're talking about debunking things, is you brought out tested, FDA certified uh, pain medications, fever reducers that we know what the dose does. We know what a toxic dose is. Uh-huh. We know how they work. You did not bring out any herbs or supplements. Why would I do that? Because all of America is doing that. <laughs> and that, you know, when it comes down to talking about science, what we know versus what we don't know, there's a lot of things that people that are sexy. The packaging on this Walgreens pain reliever is not sexy. No, it, but it's it just, close enough mimics the Tylenol colors that you get it. Now imagine if this said... And then the all-day pain relief, <laughs> notice it starts with the all word, all. same as Aleve, and it's got similar color schemes, and the ibuprofen is in that sort of bluish advil color. Now what do you think would happen if we had a box and it just said 
pain reliever, pain re, uh, reliever, fever reducer, non-GMO, all natural, organic. It would sell like hotcakes. It would sell better than hotcakes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, and that drives me insane. Okay. So let's go through the difference between these four. Like, all right, so I'm a little achy. I feel like maybe it's a fever, but I don't think it's a fever. I think I'm dehydrated. And also, I've been contorted in a car for the past, like, s- seven hours. Um, but this is a different kind of achy. Which one of these do you go for? Well, first, I'm going to tell you to drink a glass of water and yep. ask you if you've ever taken one in the past. I, uh, I know I have taken all of these in the past, but I cannot remember the last time I've taken a pain medication non-recreationally. And then <laughs> snorting them doesn't count. But I'm going to ask you if you have any other medical problems. Do you have ulcers? Do you have kidney disease? Do you have no, anything else? No, no. Other than, you know, casual alcoholism, which I heard acetaminophen is bad for. I was just about to say, you know, yeah. casual versus like, you know, you, you binge drink. And well, put down. that's what I meant by casual. <laughs> I was trying to, uh, you're a doctor, so I can't lie 100%. Yeah, I drink a lot. Um, so, maybe the, I, so maybe the acetaminophen is not the good one. You know, so it, to be honest, unless you actually have liver damage. Oh, I do not yet. Then you could start with an acetaminophen. Mm-hmm. You could start with either one of them, to be honest. And, you know, usually we're going to tell you not to take more than one of these pills every four to six hours. Right. So it doesn't hurt to start with ibuprofen if it uh, sounds like it's more muscular. Yeah. And then alternate after four to six hours if ah, it's not working. Ah, so see, so again, science. You could try test, it out. Test, And I, of course, my evidence is going to be more how I feel, but it's still going to be evidence because I'm like, okay, this isn't working. Let me try something else. This is working. I'm going to stick with this every four to six hours. Real life testing. Awesome. And if you were to tell me, hey, I have a fever, I'm worried about it, I would actually stop you and say, are you worried about the number or do you actually feel like garbage? Because the number is a good thing. I don't feel feel like garbage. I just feel on the cusp of something coming on. So let's prevent it by taking right now an ibuprofen and uh, seeing how it works four hours later. <laughs> and then we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. And as this is happening in real time and he really is taking ibuprofen, I'm going to tell him we're not actually preventing anything, though. All you're doing is alleviating, alleviating your my symptoms. current symptoms. Hence the name alleviate. So how many do I take? One? Well, how many, so how many milligrams is in there? That is a 200 milligram ibuprofen pain reliever fever reducer NSAID. And you've never taken one before? I have, but I don't remember when. So you could take two? Two. You start with two? All right, I'll start with two. So, I mean, some people start with three or four. I'm not doing that. That sounds, that sounds crazy talk. I would. <laughs> one. Oh, oh, that one turned sideways. I got to try that one again. <laughs> This is great podcasting, listening and, to me swallow. And I'll also have you notice that none of these are actual sprinkle caps because of the Tylenol murders. What are sprinkle caps? Sprinkle caps were this, were this old relic where you could actually unscrew the pill, and there were sprinkle tablets. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And that's what they all looked like in the commercials, because the commercials in the 80s would be like, when this side's combined with this side, boom. You know who else did that? Is Dr. Mario, that little shit. Oh, yeah, he Dr. Has. Mario, man. Tetris, Tetris, <laughs> Tetris for losers. Come on, man. Or winners. I, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Tetris. Tetris. <laughs> now, this is the perfect segue. Since we've just gone through, you know, testing some medicine right now and figuring out what my symptoms are, and now I've got a course of action that I will see how I feel in four hours, and then I will vary my medication accordingly. Um, by the way, I just got free medical advice, so you're welcome, America. Let's go through some of these. <laughs> let's go through. Let's go through your top ten or a top eight or whatever myths that have to die. What are the ones that you're like? Bye, Felicia, or 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 to quote the other one. Thank you. Next, I have not heard "Thank You Next" before. Thank but- you. Next is Ariana Grande. Uh, it is. She's like you know. Pete gave me patience, and Dave taught me love, and someone taught me pain. Thank you, next. I'm so fucking grateful for my ex. Those are the actual words. Thank you, next. I'm so fucking grateful for my ex. Ariana Grande actually just came in this hotel room. <laughs> that was her. That was her, yes. So, you know, the, the myths... I would, I'll put them into like these overarching categories of things that need to die. Buckets. Or... 
people how people need to think differently about certain things. Right. And the very first one I'm going to talk about is everyone is so scared of toilet seats. And people think they are dirty. They are? You know those little uh, the little wraps that you can have yeah, that yeah, sit on yeah. top of toilet yeah, seats? Yeah. They're always gone because people are always using them. I don't want to use them. Because Austin's actually, without even realizing it, doing the right thing. So it doesn't <laughs> actually matter. <laughs> and one thing that people need to understand is, and I think this is getting out there, is that all surfaces are really dirty. And recent surveys and studies have actually shown that in an airport and airplane, the TSA baggages... And your food tray in the airplane are actually have more germs than the toilets do. Yeah. Which is the, awesome. The, uh, the, the, the fold-down tray. Which I put my face on that tray when I nap sometimes. <laughs> and that's worse than the toilet seat itself. Dirty. So you'll sometimes see these ads about making sure that you are clean. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. ...all the services and that you're using antibacterial wipes, always look to see who's paying for those ads because sometimes it might be Lysol. Right. Um, you just need to wash your hands. Yeah, just you normal, wash, normal your wash your hands. Before you eat. Yeah. Um, so that's more of like an overarching kind of philosophy, but the myth that I'm going to start with, because everyone needs to hear it, the vaccine causes autism myth. Oh, God. It's, it's on its way dying. You, you think so? I, I would like to say that the average, the average scientific consumer knows that the data is flawed. I will never disrespect or belittle a parent who is scared and wants an answer. But I don't even want to say, I wanna, I don't even wanna say that we're going to sh- right now in 20 seconds shout out of the myth. Right. But what I wish people knew, what I wish people got out is that the original study that linked, I'm doing air quotes right now. They are, and they are really hard air quotes. He is air quoting the hell out of it. Yeah. Was by this guy who lost his license named Andrew Wakefield. The original study looked at 12 children and he paid them for their blood samples at his son's birthday party. Now, when I actually tell people that, that sounds dumb. That sounds very dumb. I mean, that's why the study was retracted and why his only fans are in like a South town in Texas and wherever else. (laughs) True story. And, and why he doesn't have an MD anymore. Loser. (laughs) Um, but when I tell people that they look at it and they say, so this myth is, is this link is really based on a fraudulent study. And I say, absolutely. Yeah. And so that's one, that's another kind of area we talk about correlation versus causation. Yes. And that just needs to be drilled into people. I will use correlation and causation to segue into something else that I think people should know about. Yeah. Is activated charcoal. Oh my God. Okay. Now, before we sat down, you're like, oh, do you use charcoal? I'm like, wait, I don't get it. I think I remember once I, I, what was it? I think me and my brothers were playing Batman and I threw a root rope up onto a shelf and it was where my dad was cleaning his paintbrushes and it was covered in turpentine and the rope cup caught on the cup of turpentine and paintbrush and paint and it fell right on my face and half of it went in my eyes and half of it went in my mouth and I believe my mom gave me activated charcoal and milk when I swallowed the turpentine. <laughs> Does that sound right? It's... <laughs> Does that sound like something a mom now, would do? It sounds like a mom. It sounds like a mom could do. Yeah. Would I recommend people do that? Absolutely not. <laughs> but, you hear that, mommy? <laughs> but mom, mom, your science is not that far off, and you had good intentions, and you raised a winner. So something got out of his stomach <laughs> that day with the milk. <laughs> Basically, charcoal itself. If you're taking charcoal for the wrong reason, unless you're snorting it or doing something crazy, it's not really going to hurt you. But it represents a complete distortion of science, which is why I like this topic so much. So I mean, in the, charcoal is just 
inert carbon. It physically can't attach to any other molecule, right? So it's a closed. It, am I am I incorrect with no, my Bohr model of carbon? Your Bohr mo- your Bohr square model. So yes. Check this out. When you here's the here's the fun nerdy science. How can that thing interact with anything? When you activate charcoal, yeah. and you superheat it, uh huh. The actual molecules they have little pores in them. Those pores actually get smaller. Uh huh. And they get so small, in fact, that the surface area skyrockets. Right. To the point where there are statistics out there where it's like a teaspoon of activated charcoal has more surface area than a football field. Got it. Mind-boggling. Understood, yeah. And so the actual medical use for that is about if you get certain, certain poisonous ingestions, and it's got it, most medications can absorb a little bit to charcoal, but not heavy acids and bases, not certain heavy metals, and not alcohol for you binge drinkers out there. Right. Now, the, this is also the thing, is you got to go, you got to be rushed to an emergency department, and Within a few hours, I'm not an ER doctor, but there's a protocol. Very quickly, you're getting about 50 to 100 grams. It's a lot. Grams is, that's a big That's a big amount. Yeah. Um, okay, now, so table that scientific information. Nowadays, you can go to any health store, and you can find little pills of activated charcoal that are about 250 milligrams. Right. A lot smaller. Right. But they will say, uh, decrease bloating, remove impurities. First of all, what the hell impurities are you removing? Um, remove toxins, live better. They claim that they can um, they can make charcoal masks to clear your skin, charcoal teeth whitener. I didn't and even know any of this was a thing. It is everywhere. You can get a, I think, Goop, the Gwyneth Paltrow's nonsense company. Yep. <laughs> they, they, may, they sell, it's something like a charcoal lemonade that's supposed to be a detoxifying drink. What? So the charcoal, the charcoal, if you're going to use charcoal, know that you're, it's probably not a scientifically valid reason you're doing it. Right. It's not necessarily going to hurt you. It can cause some constipation. It can also absorb some vitamins and minerals you don't want to absorb. Right, but at 250 milligrams, what damage can you actually do? And at 250 milligrams, you're already telling yourself that this is BS because the actual medical use is 50 to 100 grams. Grams. and that I mean, 50 to 100 grams, that is like a full spoonful, right? <laughs> oh, 50 to 100 grams is, is tons of volume. Yeah, that in there. yeah. But, now, here's the thing that makes you mad is I almost feel like when people say you got to detox, you got to remove impurities. Number one, you are belittling two very important people, your kidneys and your liver. That's what that's their job. That is what they do. Literally, they are detoxes. Listen, we, they, have not been, we have not been peddling detox and cleansing diets for the dawn of time, and we've done pretty well right. as humanity. Right. And so people need to understand that they shouldn't be freaking out over detoxing something. As a matter of fact, I would like to go to these stores and ask them, what are you detoxing? Yeah, what is the tox? What is the tox? What is the tox that you're taking out? And now we talked about causation and correlation. Yeah. Now this, this just cracks me up, is there, there's claims online, and it says activated charcoal can help your kidneys remove waste. And what? you're like, scientific evidence proves it. Now if you actually go and look at the original journal that did that, they did prove that it can remove some waste in rats with chronic kidney disease. Right, so if <laughs> if your kidneys are failing, then yeah, oh my god. So anyway, but my my point is is that activated charcoal represents this overarching issue when people take small amounts of data, yeah, they're blowing them up, and yep. then marketers hop on board and say, "I will get you to pay good money for that." I mean, it's a good living. <laughs> um, they're killing it, right? Because all of those skirt. The FDA, they're not FDA approved. None of those things, those herbal supplements or anything, right? You know, so, you know, herbal supplements, herbal supplements are regulated by the FDA only in their... Not poisonous. Not poisonous, but because they're not medications, we don't always know the dose effect of them. So if you go out to the herbal drugstore, they can write whatever they want in that bottle. And they can say, improves your mood and your memory and like Samurai X behind the uh, behind the uh, shelf at the bodega, you know, <laughs> all, oh. all those all those uh, those uh, erection those uh, placebo erection pills. I mean, Samurai X it was his, harder, like, faster, longer, stronger. Like the Peter North pill. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you see them everywhere, and like <laughs> to be honest, can't always say what's in them. Yep, they could be dangerous. Yep. More importantly, a lot of them can actually interact with medications that you do need. Like Saint John's Wort can cause problems. Kava can cause liver failure. These are all the buzzwords. These are all the things that people are ingesting all the time, all the yoga ladies. The, 
I mean, yoga did come from my people, so I can't <laughs> too much. But, you know, so... Well, you know, yes, yoga as in a meditative state of religious uh, worship, not yoga as in like, hi, not, oh my God. Not yoga as in detoxing teas and mispronunciations <laughs> of namaste. <laughs> but I just, I just love your people. They're so spiritual. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so since we're going down that path, if you write the word natural on something. Nothing. That's not natural. Well, people, people kind of jump to that. And this is another myth that I want to stab in the eye. Right. Is that all natural, number one, doesn't mean a lot. And number two, does not mean it's healthy or safe. Right. And when people say to me, well, hey, this is from a natural product. I'm like, so is peyote. And so is lava. So is lava. <laughs> lava, lava is natural. I don't think you want a spoonful of lava. So is snake venom. So is morphine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, and so is ricin for Breaking Bad fans. Yep. I'm like, these are all natural does not mean it's okay. Also, all natural does not mean organic. It does not mean non-GMO. Well, yeah, and um, organic. There's another word. Everything is with carbon is organic. That is the definition of organic, you know? You know, organic, so overarching theme that we've gone into now, I feel like, is food labels, which is huge. Right, because, because there's a lot of snake, like, to use your term early, snake oil salesmen. This is all natural, non-GMO, blah, 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 blah. You know, and it, okay, so here's what's funny, because you brought up organic. Mm-hmm. So organic, there's different degrees of it, because you, you can say 100% organic, you can say made with organic ingredients. Mm-hmm. You can say organic. And each one of them have different USDA definitions of how much organic ingredients they have to have in them. Right. Now, obviously, if you can afford to eat organic, great. If you can't, are you going headed down a path towards chronic disease? No. no. And is there an actual difference in the health benefits? No. no. Not really. No. You know, there's some studies that need to be done about things like pesticides, but you can use natural pesticides in organic food. Yes. Um, so, you know, organic is, is interesting because if, if you can afford to eat organic, by all means, by all means, soccer moms, eat it. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that, that our lower socioeconomic population is in trouble because they, get, they can't go to Whole Foods. Right. And that even gets me more riled up when I talk about GMOs because, you know, have you seen in any grocery store the little butterfly yeah. that's on them and it says non-GMO? Yeah. So this is the funniest thing to me. And when I tell people this, even my strongest non-GMO advocates, they get this aha moment. I'm like, have you seen Triscuits? I thought for a second if I can name the brand. Right. But um, whatever, Triscuits, you suck. So if you see- <laughs> uh, My friend wrote an ad campaign for Triscuits. Uh, it was uh, Triscuits when there's nothing else to eat. Well, that, Triscuits. Ad, that ad campaign is why I bought them. <laughs> but um, So Triscuits, for example, will say made with non-GMO wheat. And there's an right. orange juice, I think it's Tropicana, that'll say made with non-GMO oranges. Right. So there is no commercially available GMO orange or GMO wheat. So that is literally like saying, I'm selling you sugar-free water. Yeah. And someone being like, oh, hell yeah, sugar-free water? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, corn, maize, the plant, was the size of our pinky, you know, 10, 15,000 years ago in the, in the Mexican highlands, right? And- we crossbred it and made it bigger and bigger and bigger. It's been genetically modified over millennia of humankind. Every plant that we've touched, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, and one other thing, and kale are literally the same species. They're just different cultivars of the same genetic species. Where did that come from? It's genetically modified, except we did it by something called natural selection, which is genetic modification. All we're doing right now when we make genetically modified food is we're just accelerating the process we've been doing for millennia and also feeding more of the world. Do you want the 8 billion people on earth to die? Then all right, stop genetically modifying food. Do you want famines and wars? Stop genetically modifying food, you idiots. And you know- Soapbox over. (laughs) My wife is half Greek and half Chinese, and she's the most beautiful GMO on the planet. <laughs> but going back to your point, like golden rice, for example, golden rice, it can be fortified with vitamin A. Yeah. And there are millions of children who have vitamin A deficiency yes. and are at risk for blindness in childhood, something that we don't know about in our privileged country with the, <laughs> with the food and the food waste we have. And so, you know... There's a lot that can be done for good with GMOs. 60 to 70% of processed foods you find in a grocery store have GMOs in them. Yeah. A lot of vegetables do. Most medications we use have GMOs in them. And the actual science tells us that they're not unhealthy, 
But it's really interesting because there was a Pew survey that showed that something like over 90% of biomedical scientists said that GMO foods are totally safe. Yeah. But only about 10% of Americans felt that scientists thought they were safe. So there's this weird disconnect. It's, it's, the same, it's the same double helix when you look at it, you know? It just is a little bit better and faster. It's just marketers. And so I, I ask everyone that doesn't, that's rolling their eyes at me right now, yeah. I ask you this question. If I was a marketer and trying to make millions of dollars off you, what do you think I would put on that bottle? Yeah. I would want you to buy that shit right yeah. away. Yeah, non-GMO, all organic, uh, blah, 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 raised, raised on rainbows and unicorns. And rainbows, and, and all you need to do is turn the package around and look at the nutrition label. Yep, and then you hold it up next to the other thing, you'd be like, oh, these are exactly yeah. the same thing. Sugar, calories, yep. fat, vitamins. Yeah. Crazy things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stuff that you, uh, you you put in the Erlenmeyer flask and f- swirl around and you look at it and you're like, well, oh, it's the same thing chemically. Well, also, what are your thoughts on gluten? I know I'm not supposed to be asking the questions. Oh, no, please. Um, <laughs> I your gut, your I, gut no, no, reaction. No, I believe, I believe gluten intolerance is a real thing, um, but I believe that uh, there are way too many people who have self-diagnosed them with gluten intolerance because uh, I read a study, and it's something on the order of, I believe, uh, 800,000 or 300,000. I'm making up the number, but something on the order of like 300,000 Americans have it, full stop. And I'm like, well, oh my God, that's no one. There's 350 <laughs> million people in the country. So I guarantee that Cynthia from Palos Verdes is not gluten intolerant. <laughs> you know what? She is. Cynthia from Palos Verdes, you are a fucking fraud. You lost a fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I, no, there are people who have, it's celiac disease, right? Mm-hmm. That is a real medical condition. And, uh, you know, Point zero 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 one percent of the population has it, so you don't have it. So fucking drink your fucking normal fucking beer and don't. I can't. I can only have cider. I can only have cider because I'm gluten. No, you're not. No, you're not, Cynthia. Fucking Cynthia. We're gonna we're gonna get back to gluten in ten seconds. Can I tell your audience the last drink I ever had with you? At your bar, uh, sure, because I don't remember what did I, I give you. So I probably asked, Guinness in a shot, right? Uh, <laughs> I asked Austin for an Austin special, and yeah. it was Guinness in a shot. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like, about what right. Is this that sounds about right? Um, He's like, you make me something nice. I'm like, here's a Guinness, here's a shot. Fuck off. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, you know, so so gluten is interesting because yeah. right now studies estimate we got about one percent of the American population that has diagnosed celiac disease. Mm-hmm. There may be a lot more that are undiagnosed. But surveys show that somewhere between 30 to 40% of Americans are attempting to observe a gluten-free diet. Right. Now, someone would say to me, they'd be like, well, why is that a bad thing? And you know, there's a couple issues. Number one, if you go completely gluten-free, aside from the obvious cost, you could be missing out on some things like iron, fiber, other vitamins. But more importantly, it's the art of self-diagnosis that we're trying to avoid. Yes. And I see this a lot I think in this is the kids. overarching theme that you've been driving home. Yes. You can't tell you what is wrong with you. Okay, so I will tell you something funny. Y- you if don't you, have the brain-eating amoeba. <laughs> Grandma Maud, you're good. <laughs> if you type in gluten into Google, the first thing that comes up is say, why is gluten bad? The second thing is, what is gluten? <laughs> that, and that reminds me of Brexit. That Remember, tells me like that, Brexit. Like, yeah, what, yeah. how would how does Brexit affect Europe? And what is Brexit? What is Brexit? Yeah, exactly. After they yeah, voted. After they voted. Yeah. So I'm like, gluten already has a stigma. So what we're seeing now, and I see this all the time, is I see, you know, I see parents coming in. You know, loving parents, they want to do what's right uh-huh. for their child, and their child has, you know, some diarrhea, you know, abdominal complaints, and they're like, he's. We put him on a gluten free diet, and I'm like, well, we don't know that that's what this is. And then some other people will say, well, hey, I went gluten-free and I feel great. And I'm like, do you know what a confounding variable is? And they're like, no. And I said, well, when you went gluten-free, did you stop eating French fries, pizza, Ben and Jerry's, and all this other nonsense? They're like, yes, I did. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, you're saying you feel better after you stopped the junk food. No way. Exactly. Mind blown. You know, so it's, again, it goes back to we just need to use our brains. Yeah. And we need to take a step back and say, First of all, we need to talk to our doctors, but also where's the actual science versus what the marketers, what the headlines, what the celebrity peddlers want us to do, want us to think. Right. 90, okay, you know, 99% of what modern medical science is doing right now is on the cutting edge for a reason, right? 
maybe a couple things that we do a century from now will look like bloodletting and trepanning where you open up. Actually, no, <laughs> you can still use trepanning to alleviate brain pressure, you can't can, you? you can it's get, still a real thing, right? I've heard there's a dude in Brooklyn that does bloodletting also. Uh, well, that's stupid, I think. I well, don't know. That, so that goes back. That goes to my core when I hear people say, well, humans have been doing this for hundreds of years. Yeah, well, we also, yeah, we, we also own slaves. So uh, we're not going back to that, too. Yeah, we sacrificed buddy. people back in Machu Picchu or something yeah, back then, too. Yeah, uh, sure. Aztecs. I don't think the, did the, did the, did the Inca do that? I know the Aztecs definitely did. I mean, there might be some people who could deal with a little, little choppy hearty. Oh no, Shibam. Oh no, Shibam. Oh no, Shibam. Oh no, Shibam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my uh, gosh. The Temple of that, Doom. That movie is so racist. Have you rewatched it recently? So, okay, I got to tell you a funny mad story. Mad racist. It was on TV. My mom saw it. Yeah. And this is, by the way, like last year. Yeah. She's right? like, this is wrong. Somebody should say something. And I was like, this was made in 1984. <laughs> no one cared back <laughs> then. Someone should say something. Sorry, mom. I love you. <laughs> no um, one cared okay. back then. One thing I got to say, though, is, you know, I don't want people to feel alienated because I respect that people have different lifestyles and different means. It goes back to talking to your doctor. But there are certain practices that are harmful for public health. Right. The biggest example that we can throw out quickly in whatever time we have. Oh, no, no. You've got, yeah. Is the overuse of antibiotics. And so one of the biggest things that I want to slap in the face is when you feel sick, when you feel malaise, when you've got a fever, your number one thing to do or to think should not be, let me get a Z-pack. What's a Z-pack? Azithromycin. Right. And that's an antibiotic? That's an antibiotic. And so, you know, or what people do is they save antibiotics, they share antibiotics, right? they'll cut them in half, people will go overseas. But they're the proper doses for a reason. Well, here's the issue. The issue is, is a large majority of your common colds are actually caused by a virus. Not a bacteria. fucking bacteria. Exactly. Which are completely different organisms. Completely different. I mean, actually, it's even debatable if a virus is an organism. We're not really sure what they are, right? I mean, we come with antivirals, not yeah. antibiotics. Right, right. Bio, life. Yeah, yeah anyway. exactly, yeah. But so, and I bring that up because the more and more we're dumping antibiotics that are not needed, the more we're creating antibiotic, antibiotic resistance, resistant bacteria, which yeah. is a huge problem. Issue. Yes. Millions of dollars every year, billions of dollars every year, thousands of hospitalizations. It's one of the largest uh, reasons that you'll see children with adverse drug reactions yep. in an ER is yep. because of antibiotic use. Yep. And there are statistics out there that say something around 40 to 50% of outpatient antibiotic prescriptions in children is yep. inappropriate. Right. I mean, like, the the 1927 discovery of penicillin is a clear break in human history. There's before, there's yeah. before penicillin and there is after penicillin. People stop dying after penicillin, right? But we, in, in, the, in just the century since, we might be erasing the efficacy of penicillin with this antibiotic overuse. We already are. We've got penicillin-resistant bugs all over the place. Oh. And, you know, it's really interesting because we just got done talking about how everyone only wants to go to things that they perceive as not necessarily Western medicine. And even though penicillin is natural, people are like, well, you know, we, we don't want to use medications. But then with antibiotics, they want the quick answer. They want what used to work once. Choose and- a lane. I'm like, <laughs> it's funny. So, you know, I will, I hear a lot of friends saying like, you know what? I had a cold and I took a Z pack and it went away after seven days. And I said, do you think that maybe you just got over the virus? <laughs> maybe your in immune seven system days worked. worked in seven days, which sounds about right. Yeah. Which is why we say that whole thing. If, if you don't feel better after seven to 10 days, consult your doctor. Cause it could be bacterial. Right. But it's like, if you had a virus and I said, why don't you go sand my roof for five days and then, you know, drink celery juice and sleep under my bed. Yeah. You probably might also get better after seven days. Right, 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 right. I can't sell any of those three. And also, by the way, you got some roofing done. <laughs> Actually, I mean, exertion when you're sick is probably not a good thing. Yeah. Oh, really? Because, <laughs> uh, no, oh, no, no. Because, like, my, my mom, my mom, my mom, medical genius, she is, uh, would be like, you know, just, just go play it off. Sweat it out, you know? Well, yeah, so... Playing it off is probably not the best thing. We do recommend rest and water and all that boring stuff. But yeah. that's my point is yeah. that the actual cures for viruses are very boring. Yeah. Which is why when people came out with things like airborne and emergency yeah. and superfoods, which there is no actual definition of what a superfood is, by the way. What is a superfood? You know, a superfood is a great marketing term like, to describe I, foods that are I don't even know. Is it acai? 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 I don't, acai? E- I don't even know how to say it. 
That sounds like a Street Fighter it's a pre- scream. Or yeah. Hikuku ya. Yeah. I see. Sonic boom. <laughs> Tiger uppercut. Yoga fire. Yeah. <laughs> Throwing it back. Oh, yeah. That is, that is some Street but Fighter 2 right there. You, we, we can't just go out and start, you know, eating and drinking things because of the claims. Antioxidants. Antioxidants. Which, I don't know what that means. So we have free radicals in our body, which our body makes antioxidants. Yeah. That's, I'm assuming all, yeah. And free radicals are actually needed by our immune system to fight invaders. So you can actually take too many antioxidants. <laughs> but if you put antioxidant on anything, people will buy it. Yeah. It's so, another buzzword. You know, as we're ripping on, as we're basically ripping on everything that's popular and being sold right now, you know, the thing that I always tell people is know what your source is. When you're actually reading something online, right. or when you're actually going to find information, because you're not going to fight Google. It's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If doctors yeah. want to, we're, gonna, we're not going to win. You're not going to beat it. Yeah. But what I want people to understand is where you're getting your information from. And so another myth, another great example that relates back to the information is there is a documentary on Netflix called What the Health. I've seen it scroll by on my queue, but I haven't watched it. You don't need to. Okay, cool. Um, you're going to tell us why. We all know, listen, we all know that... If we wanted to save the planet, we do need to eat less meat. That's not the point. Yep. But there's a claim in What the Hell that really bothered me. They talk about how eating egg yolks is as bad as smoking cigarettes for your heart and your carotid arteries. The actual claim, I might be, I might be distorting this, but it's that like one egg yolk is equivalent to five cigarettes when it comes to your heart. I don't think that's true. You know, you don't think it's true just based on common sense because it's not true. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. When, it, when, the art, when the research first came out, what they did was they had, it's about 1,200 adults in Canada, and they basically self-reported um, smoking, smoke pack years and egg yolk years. It's a yeah. funny name. But they don't report things like other a- aspects of their lifestyle. Like Cheeto years. <laughs> like how they ate their eggs. <laughs> right. Were they eating them like while snorting butter? Yeah. And yeah. so what they basically did was they, this is a great example of just taking a finding and then running with it. But that's such a sexy headline. And so if you Google it right now, you will still see. Type in, type in right now. Type I'm in doing it right now. Egg yolks as bad as cigarettes. Egg yolks as bad as, I typed A. I typed egg yolks A, and it goes as bad as cigarettes, now, autocomplete. And literally, if you click that, you will see there will be a headline that still says it's as bad. Study. Eggs are nearly as bad for your arteries as cigarettes. This is, the, this is from the Atlantic Health Archive 2002, August 14, 2012. Sorry. The cholesterol on delicious egg yolks accelerates uh, atherosclerosis. Atherosclerosis, the buildup of plaque in our arteries, almost as much as smoking, because egg yolks are high in cholesterol. Eating whole eggs increases cholesterol, a known risk for coronary artery disease, CAD, and heart attacks. That is the very first Google research, uh, the Google search result. Even the journal authors listed off the limitations in their study Mm -hmm. and even said... This is not a direct conclusion. We are not openly saying that you have to stop eating egg yolks. Mm-hmm. We are saying that this is something we potentially need to research more and understand more. The scientific community unanimously has debunked this study, but it's such a great headline. Yeah. And so if you want to run with that. Wait a second. Canadian researchers examined 1,231 patients at London's Health Sciences and Center University. The average age of patients was 62. Jesus Christ, they're already dead in the first place. <laughs> ah, so my, my, the biostatistic question I ask to everyone that disagrees with me is, is that generalizable, generalizable to the average person? No. Not at all. It's 1,200 people in London, and it's conducted by Canadians, and we know they don't even know science. <laughs> but they had the bare-naked ladies. They so did, they did. <laughs> it's been one week since you looked at me. Jeff Rosen on. Chicken in China, the Chinese chicken. chicken. Have a drumstick drum in the rain. All right, stop, 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 stop. It, it was a very catchy song for you younger people. It was the early 2000s was a wonderful time. Somebody but, wants to, yeah, go. Okay. But I ask people, I say, if you see a headline. This is not indicative. I don't, this is, I, I read the first paragraph. I'm like, this is stupid. It, but here's the thing. When you, when you see headlines, if you are already wanting to believe in that philosophy and that science, right. you can cherry pick data all you want. Yeah. Easy. You right. Can, you can cherry pick data and you can find things to support your argument. So I ask people, Look at the primary research. Yep. Look at the source. If you see a headline that says egg yolks are as bad as cigarettes, does it come from www.greenearthveganantimedicinemercola.com? Yeah. 
Or, or does it come from, <laughs> you know, the better <laughs> Philip Morris, Altria, you know? <laughs> you always want to look at your sources. Yeah. And, you know, even in medicine, I encourage people to do that. Go ahead and say, is this drug advertisement coming from a pharmaceutical agency? Is this doctor have a special interest? Do politicians get paid by someone? Go ahead. Yeah. Like, ask those questions, be curious, and make sure you understand this might be BS. And also, like you said earlier, Dr. Patel, in exercise, you know, restraint. It says here, the, uh, a large A contains 100 milligrams of cholesterol, more than a third of the recommended daily intake. All right, don't eat eggs every day. There we go. Exercise. Exercise. You know, but people want a shortcut, which is right. why you'll see things like, here's an egg substitute. I can sell it to you now because I scared the shit out of you from this headline. I don't eat eggs every day. <laughs> you shouldn't eat eggs every day. Have eggs every three days. Have eggs every oh, And then exercise afterwards. And maybe don't smoke cigarettes. Maybe, well, that's a different problem that I have, but whatever. <laughs> but, you know, there was a headline that came out um, two years ago, and it talked about how drinking a glass of wine was equivalent oh, to... sometimes drinking a glass of wine is great. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's yeah. bad. Um, there's also a, one glass of wine is equivalent to 20 minutes of exercise. Huh. Which is great to me. Wait, huh? What they basically looked at was they looked at... They looked at a chemical that is released when you drink a glass of wine, that is in red wine, and also is released when you work out. It's a good chemical for your heart. But they, introdu- they neglect everything else, like what else you're getting from red wine, like alcohol and sugar, and the fact that when you work out, you're exercising your heart, and you're getting active. And so you can't just draw a conclusion based on one little thing that you've cherry-picked. But you know, my, my comrades in the media sometimes do like to do that. Because it's a lot easier to sell a headline. It's a lot easier to jump to a conclusion and say, this is exactly what it is. And when it's harmful is when you're actually influencing people. You know, we, I was telling you the stories of, of Seattle. Yeah. We, I had one parent who had read somewhere online about the benefits of goat milk. And had read about how natural, and I don't, at this, I don't remember what hocus pocus she read. So she was giving her young daughter goat's milk. Right. The baby came in looking like, Casper the vegan ghost. <laughs> and, you know, I joke now because the baby's doing fine, did fine at the time, but so goat milk is deficient on a lot of vitamins and minerals, including folate, and so this baby was horrifically anemic. Right. And it's not like the parents did it maliciously, but they literally told me, they're like, you know, we read online that this is fine. And I was like, did you consult your doctor? No. Did you look at the difference between that and, you know, cow's milk versus formula versus what you're missing? No didn't talk to a pediatrician. And so, you know, sometimes when someone's trying to do the right thing, flying down this rabbit hole of BS on the internet or social media, they can wind up at something that's harmful. And, you know, that's why vaccines is such a hallmark example. And, you know, we're seeing the same kind of phenomenon, obviously, with this dude who's running our country right now. He whose name shall not be mentioned, (laughs) never mentioned. It's the best name ever, though. I know. I invented it. (laughs) But... there is potential for harm when we start when we stop ignoring we start ignoring common sense right. and start listening to people that are marketing to us. Chipotle started to say that they sell non-GMO ingredients. They also had an E. coli outbreak. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, this, that, that doesn't translate into anything regarding safety or production means. Right. It doesn't also say, natural doesn't say if it was good for the animal. No. GMO doesn't say anything about pesticides or hormones. Nope. But we're taking all these terms and looping them all together. No. And, and this, is, this is a great place to leave us. Look to your medical professionals. And if something smells bad, smells fishy, ask someone. Is someone trying to make a dollar off of you? Ask someone who knows. Um, Dr. Patel, where can we follow you on Instagram and the Twitters and, uh, tell us about some forthcoming programs on CNN that we can look out for. Awesome. So I am on Twitter and Insta and other things at Alok Patel MD. Yep. That's, that, that, <laughs> yeah, like, you're wait, like, is, is that, that right? Is that right? Yeah, yep. that is right. That yep. is right. And you know, the upcoming thing you can look out for on CNN is something's killing me season three. Yep. Which the stories are riveting, they're heartbreaking, they're, they're enlightening, they're amazing. I can't give any of them away. Yep. And there's four shows that I'm working on this year that are all kind of centered around what we're talking about in different forms. Yep. Can't talk about those either. Nope, but, but they're coming. What I will say is I, I'm excited to know that there is a movement towards making data more entertaining. 
I feel like Freakonomics. Freakonomics opened it. Yeah, opened up the uh, the groundswell. Yeah, and all us young manic kids are running through the, the opening door right yep. now. Yep. That's amazing. All right. So follow Dr. Patel on Alok Patel MD at Twitter and Instagram and look for What's Killing Me on CNN uh, shortly, correct? When, when do you have a debut? Something's Killing Me. Something's Killing Me. You'll see it on HLN, advertised on CNN. They're like sister companies. Yeah, yeah. Brother companies, twins. Yeah. And that will pro- season three will probably air later this summer. Yep. Season two is online. Yep. I'm the medical producer, so I'm not actually on camera. With no, no, it. no, that's fine. Yeah. But um, you know, you can you can look online and you can see some of the style that we've used in our previous work. Awesome. And I welcome all people that disagree with me because banter is science. Let's go to Twitter and let the flame wars begin. Bring the noise. <laughs> Bring the noise. Dr. Patel, thank you very much. Everyone, have a great day. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.